0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Table Flip Episode 9. We are on Episode 9. This is going to be a really interesting episode. It is for your new players to kind of understand how to play the game and some helpful tips and tricks for you. So I'm going to hand it off to our resident uh, card gurus, Matt and Nate. Welcome to the show, and take it away. Okay.
1: Thank you, Patrick. All right, so as Patrick said, this episode is going to be focused for new players. So you know, you experienced players, you might not get as much out of this. Uh, as some of the new players so this is for new players both to Star Wars and even you know just to card games in general so we're Nate and I just kind of did a list and we're going to try and keep this uh, not short but to the point and on target so that everybody can pick up a little bit of stuff and hopefully we won't take more than any time than an hour or so so the first thing we wanted to discuss real briefly is what is an LCG or a living card game so for those of you who are familiar with other card games like Pokemon, Magic, etc., those are all blind buy purchases. You typically don't know what you're getting, and you buy a random booster pack, and cards of varying rarities, and of course you want to get the rares or mythics or epics or whatever because of the super powerful cards. So unlike those games, a living card game, you know exactly what you're getting Every single time you buy a pack, if I buy a pack of Desolation of Hoth and Nate buys a pack of Desolation of Hoth, we're getting the exact same cards every single time. So it's a non-blind buy purchasing. Uh, it's a format that was created by FFG a few years ago when they switched their Call of Cthulhu and a Game of Thrones card games from traditional TCGs, trading card games, or CCGs as they used to be called, um, to this living card game format and it's done quite well for them so there is now six of them and we're here of course to talk about star wars which is the newest of those six uh nate anything you want to add to that
2: um that pretty much covers most of you know the basics of what an lcg is Um, i know that (laughs) i know that i've had a lot of people um at my local store and even friends from Facebook and other places, you know, ask what the biggest differences is. And like Matt said, a lot of the biggest differences come in the form of, you know, the, the money investment and, you know, the core reasons for playing the games. And we'll, we'll get into some of those core reasons for playing later on, but it's really a, you know, do you want to know what you're getting in advance and, you know, play the cards that the companies produce or do you want the random luck factor of opening packs which both are valid and both have excellent reasons to play either one it just comes down to what you want in your gaming
1: yeah okay thanks nate all right so next we're going to touch real brief upon what to buy and how many copies you should get there's this is something that sometimes trips up Uh, Newer players, and we often see it asked on one of the various forums either at FFG boards or also on the card game DB site Um, So the first thing I want to start with of course is what's called a core set. So this is kind of The LCG version of a more traditional starter for you know, the various other TCGs out there Um, It's more focused on making sure that more than one person can play most of the core sets are built so that you know two people can play with the contents of one core set, not necessarily to the maximum competitiveness or anything, um, but it is enough to get your your feet wet and get going. So it's kind of similar to a two-player starter from the other games. Um, some of them are designed for multiple players, like the Game of Thrones ones. The Star Wars one is designed to allow two people to be able to play. Uh, it is currently Star Wars is just a two-player game, so that's the reason it was designed like that. Um, So what you want to buy first is, of course, the core set. In the core set, you're going to get a single copy of pretty much every objective set. There are a few of the sets that do come in multiple copies to allow you to use them in uh, one starter deck. You can technically build four starter decks, so you could, in fact, have multiple people playing with one core set, uh, playing as each of the the core faction, so for the dark side it would be the Navy and the Sith, and for the light side it would be the Jedi and the Rebels. Uh, You do get one set each for the other dark side and light side affiliations, which is the Scum and Villainy and Smugglers and Spies, but you do not get enough to be able to build a full deck with them. You would have to mix them or wait and purchase a copy of the Deluxe Expansion, Edge of Darkness. Edge of Darkness, like the corset, you're going to want to buy eventually two copies um, because you, you can have at most, with the deck building, two copies of any one objective set unless it states otherwise, such as a limit of one. So with two corsets, you would have the, enough copies to be able to build a deck with two of you know, the characters like Luke and Vader Um, Edge of Darkness is essentially the core set starter box for the Scum and Villainy and Smugglers and Spies factions. So they both get multiple sets in there. Again, single copies. So eventually you will want to get two copies. By no means, unless you have lots of money and just don't mind, should you buy two of these right away. In the beginning, buy a variety of stuff to give yourself the maximum number of options. And then down the road, get multiples. Now, as I stated earlier, currently Star Wars is a two-player game. It does have a new deluxe expansion coming out, um, which comes out in October, called Balance of the Force. And this set adds two multiplayer versions. One allows team play, where teams of two can play against each other, and it also adds what are called challenge decks. For anyone familiar with the World of Warcraft trading card game, these are essentially raid decks. There is two, one light side, one dark side, which allows three players to play against a single player playing against a super powered light side or dark side deck.
2: And I think they also recently have added something similar in magic, the gathering Um, that, that kind of is the same concept where it's, you know, yes. one or two people, uh, sorry, two or three people usually against a single super powered opponent so yeah
1: that's the arch enemy set from magic which adds a special deck that the other player can add to make their deck super powerful so Um, very similar one thing
0: uh, one thing if i could interject you real quick guys um i think Mm -hmm. that buying two core sets off uh, right off the bat i think is probably the best way to start because you you can still build some pretty good top tier decks with them um you don't need all the fancy force packs you don't really need any of the cool expansive stuff to actually really kind of compete on a a kind of a, a high level or even just a fun level. So, I, I think that maybe buying just the two core sets to start off with and then seeing if you like the game from there um, is probably the the better bet, but that's just kind of my opinion.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there. I mean, there's certainly two opinions on what to get at first. I'm speaking more from a casual player's perspective for the audience. So, you know, one core set to start out with is good because that way you can see if you actually like the game by all means play the game before you you know jump in and buy every single expansion so the last expansion type is what's called a force pack Um, for all the lcgs they have various packs there's chapter packs force packs etc so for star wars they're called force packs of course they are built in a cycle Um, essentially the easiest way to think of a force pack cycle is it's a traditional expansion for any other trading card game but it's chopped up into six months of releases so the way the force packs work in star wars is you get anywhere from uh typically you get five objective sets in a pack you get two copies of each so that there's always 10 sets in one pack um, if there are any limit of one sets in a pack then you only get one copy of those of course and usually if there's a limit of one for one side there will be elemental one for the other side as well, to again balance the pack out so that there's always ten objective sets in total in each Force Pack. Uh, The Force Packs are done in cycles, like I said. The current cycle, which is currently coming to an end as of the episode date, which is, today's date is uh, September 8th. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So the last pack comes out this month for the Hoth Cycle. So the Hoth Cycle, of course, is focused on the Battle of Hoth and the Beginning of the Empire Strikes Back, um, it does have other stuff in it mixed in for the other affiliations and factions that weren't particularly involved there, but for the most part, it focuses on Hoth. Uh, so the next cycle we expect to be announced again soon as of this recording date. Um, we're not sure what's in it yet or anything like that, but you will see cycles come and go throughout Star Wars, just like all the other living card games, as well as the occasional deluxe expansion, which the only two that were announced, which is in the back of the rule book. Um, or Edge of Darkness and Bounce of the Force. Beyond that, we don't know if there's going to be any other Deluxe expansions.
2: And, so and another thing to kind of point out about how um, Fantasy Flight does their their Force packs and their, their Deluxe box sets, um, as opposed to most other card games that do a cycle-based um, deck-building system where they have you know certain sets of their card games that are legal for play with the way that fantasy flight does it. Everything that's printed and current to that date is legal to play. So anything you buy will always be playable in the current format that they're using. So you don't have that issue where, Oh, if I buy two core sets now a year after the game came out, you know, how long are they going to be good for? with how fantasy flight fantasy flight does it those will be good for as long as fantasy flight is making the game they don't cycle things out of their current play environment so you don't have to worry that you're going to buy something that's going to be completely useless in a month or two you know you're always going to have access to it for you know tournament play or just messing around at the kitchen table type stuff
1: Right, good point. There's no rotation in this game or any of the LCGs as of yet, and I don't see it happening anytime soon, if ever. All right, so next is just kind of the needed supplies and accessories, stuff that, you know, newer card game players might want to consider purchasing from their local store to help keep everything, you know, in good condition. Um, For card storage, typically a good thing to get is, and you'll see them at most stores that sell either, you know, well, the Star Wars card game, or even if they sell baseball cards and hockey cards and stuff like that, you'll see the white card storage boxes, uh, those are designed to protect your cards so that they keep them all more snug and tight and in good condition. Uh, you can also, of course, buy binders and use the, well, use. they usually come in pockets of nine per page, so you can get the card protector pages and, you know, organize your cards in there. Um, also, Star Wars. You'll notice when you open your core set. Uh, very common of most Fantasy Flight games is there's a lot of tokens, um, so you're gonna want something to help you keep all those tokens straight and uh, sorted. So some sort of a like a tackle box or something designed for something like that, or you know, like a, a sewing kit box or something like that. Like the the token storage I use, I actually got the local dollar store. They cost me a dollar fifty each, but it has multiple little inserts that I can organize so I can keep all the tokens of a particular type stored securely and they don't all rattle around and get all mixed together for when you're trying to play. Uh, Nate, anything you want to add? Um,
2: so basically what I did for, for my card stuff, um, I went to a local sporting goods store um, to their fishing department and they have um, soft um fabric-based, uh, tackle boxes that come with, uh, you can tell I'm I'm an avid fisherman by my knowledge of what things are called for fishing supplies. Um, things to put your fishing supplies in. They're like plastic containers that are subdivided.
0: Tackle box. Yeah, I was was about to say it's a tackle box.
2: (laughs) I don't know what this stuff, I don't fish. I buy it for card game stuff. (laughs) Um, I got I got a a tackle box that came with little trays in it um and it basically fits all of my stuff for carrying around inside basically a lunchbox size container and it's really convenient and I actually have you know all of my tokens for Star Wars Netrunner Game of Thrones and all my decks for all three games inside this little tote bag that I carry around um I think it cost me like 15 bucks total for the whole thing um but you can get pretty innovative in, in like how you store your cards because there's some good things out there that you can multi-purpose into gaming supplies. And I'll actually add a couple of links um, in the show notes to um, some of the stuff that we're talking about that, that people may not know what exactly it is and kind of show some options of stuff that that you know the three of us and other people use for their storage.
1: Yeah, and I'll take some pictures of some of my stuff and I'll put it on our Facebook page in an album that I'll you know, probably call Episode 9 Pictures so everybody can kind of see what we're talking about too. Um, one other thing you're going to want to get uh, to protect your cards is what are called card sleeves. Um, these are typically, they usually come decorative with you know, some sort of design on the back of them or something. There is a variety of ones that are Star Wars themed that are produced by Fantasy Flight themselves. Um, They come in packs of 50. You can usually get them for around $5 each or thereabouts. And uh, a pack of 50 is perfect because that's exactly how many cards you can have in your playing deck for Star Wars. So one pack should be enough. You're going to want some other sleeves to use for your objectives deck, which is 10 cards um i use clear sleeves myself but you could use whatever you want you're probably going to want to make them something different than the rest of your deck just so they don't get accidentally shuffled into the rest of your cards but the sleeves help protect your cards from you know the many many times that you'll be shuffling them so they don't get all dinged up and scratched and marked nate any last things about supplies
2: uh i think that pretty much covers it um i know also i'll just throw this out there uh team covenant actually has a a version of the tokens that come in the core sets that are acrylic so a little higher quality um they're not needed they're kind of just a hey look at my cool stuff type thing um that if you want something that's you know not cardboardy you can invest in i think a a a set of them is like 15 dollars plus shipping so they're not necessarily cheap but they are rather high quality um i like them i have a i have a set of them so there's options if you want a little bit of variety to what you have beyond just the basics that come with stuff
1: right okay so we also want to kind of do a a a brief how to play this is going to be very brief you will not learn how to play the game from this we don't want to Going on and on, and read the rule book to you guys. I mean, FFG has a very good tutorial video that you can find on the Star Wars the Card Game support tab as well as on YouTube. I highly recommend watching it. All the FFG how to play videos for any other games are phenomenal. The guy who voices them is very good voice, he's got one of those voices that you could just listen to for hours. So, I highly recommend going and watching that either after you read the rule book or maybe before you read the rule book to kind of give yourself, you know, a real brief glimpse at the game. They literally take you through a couple of turns of a game and kind of explain everything as they go. So like I said, this is going to be a very brief how to play and what's involved in playing the game. So of course it's a card game. So you're going to want to, you know, obviously be shuffling your deck and stuff before you get ready. Um, the games played in a number of phases. Um, there is six of them, uh, and each player—it's—it's it's a I go you go kind of game. So you know it's—it it's, starts with the uh, the dark side player having the very first turn, and that's always the way it is every time. And uh, so the dark side goes through their various phases. Uh, the first phase is what's called the balance phase. This is where you check to see which side—the dark side or the light side—the has the force, um, controls the force. Uh, this is represented in-game using a, uh, a, a token that has uh, two different sides to it. Uh, one is clearly the dark side, one is clearly the light side. It starts with the light side. And uh, if it's the dark side player's turn and they have the force, then they get to advance the Death Star Dial, which is how they win, by getting the dial to 12, twice instead of just once. If it's the light side player turn, and they have control of the force, they get to do one damage to one of the dark side objectives that are currently in play, and that's how they win, is by destroying three of the dark side players' objectives. Uh, the next phase is what's called the refresh phase. This is where um, for those of you familiar with Magic the Gatherer and games like that, this is where you would untap. There is no tapping in Star Wars. It uh, it's used is what's called focus tokens. And a card can have one or more focus tokens on it based on various game effects. And uh, you remove one focus token from all your cards that are currently in play. Um, So all your objectives and your units and your resources and enhancements that have focus tokens on them. Next comes the draw phase. This is one thing that is very different from... I think any other card game that I can think of that I've ever played, and I've played a lot of them. Um, unlike in most card games where you draw a set number of cards every turn, be it one, two, or whatever, um, again, of course, you can change that based on various card effects. In this game, you always draw to what's called your reserve value. Now, if you're never sure what your reserve value is, Fantasy Flight Games has given us the very handy reference on all the affiliation cards that says your starting reserve is six. Currently, is six for every single... Faction, um, whether that's going to change in the future, who knows. There are of course card effects that can raise that or lower that number, but you draw up to your reserve value during your draw phase. So if you have one card in your hand, your reserve value is six, you draw five cards. If you're already at 6 or if you're at 7, you would have to discard down to 6. So it's it's very different, but it's really not that complicated. It's just different than, you know, if you're familiar with other card games, what you'll see in those other card games. The deployment phase is where you deploy your units and you play enhancements and stuff like that. It's really pretty simple. It's where you spend your resources to bring in Red 5 or Darth Vader or whatever. And you get them on the field so that you can then make use of them conflict phase is the fifth phase this is tends to be where most of the action in the game happens of course and this is where you can choose to attack your opponent Uh, the light side again like I said wins by destroying objectives so they are pretty much at some point forced to attack the dark side player can get by not attacking they're probably going to attack from time to time um, because it helps them you know control the board and kill off some of the opposing units and then the final phase is the force phase this is where you can have your units commit to the force a unit that is committed to the force is essentially doing something be it meditating or whatever to bring the balance of the force to their side of the table which uh, is in play in that first phase the balance phase so you can have up to three units uh, committed to the force you represent this with the commitment cards that come in the set one has darth vader one has luke it's pretty clear which one's dark side which one's light side and once you use all three of those cards that's it you don't get to commit anyone else um nate anything you want to add to our brief how to play
2: um not necessarily um unless you want me to talk a little bit about deck construction in that but i don't know if that fits here if you want to go about
1: that later it's good enough place to put it.
2: Okay, well let's start talking about that then. So as opposed to most games, um, where while you're building your deck, you have an option of adding, you know, a set number of each individual card. So for example, in a Game of Thrones, you can pick three of any single card. In Magic the Gathering, you can choose four copies of a single card and add it to your deck. Star Wars is quite different. Um, What you have is you have what's called an objective. Um, A deck has ten objectives generally. You can have more than ten. You cannot have less than ten. And these are tied to five individual cards. So each objective is going to come with five cards. To add Any of those five cards, you have to add all of them. And you have to add them by adding the objective to your deck as well. So most decks are built around picking, you know, five to seven unique objectives and having one to two copies of each of them in your deck. And that causes you to have 10 objectives and 50, what they're called in the game is command cards that are your units, your events, your fake cards, what you do to interact with your opponent. And so this pod-based deck building is really unique and makes balancing the game for Fantasy Flight much easier because they can artificially limit the number of cards of a given type or a given um, power that are in each deck. So there's a lot of interaction that Fantasy Flight has that most game developers don't have because of this limiting factor in deck building. You know, not everybody necessarily likes it because it doesn't have the freedom of a true deck building game such as Magic or Game of Thrones, but it turns the game into more of a strategic play aspect where, you know, it's my true play potential versus y- my opponent so it's an odd system to get used to when you initially jump into the game and start deck building but it, it it adds something to the game in my opinion um what do you what do you think about the system that they have for deck building matt
1: um i agree with you in that when i first saw it in the rule book and you know this was months ago when the rules got revealed after Gen Con or something. I really it was really weird and I wasn't going to like it. Once I started playing the game and seeing the ease with which you can build decks because of it I really liked it. It makes fewer choices but each choice is that much more important because of how big an impact it has on your your deck. Choosing one objective over another doesn't just affect that one card like it would in a more traditional trading card game. It affects six cards. That's a 10% 10% of your deck that's that's not a small amount by any means so it's it's very unique it's very different there is currently no other card game that uses this system um and it's something that if you come from one of those more traditional card games like game of thrones or the other ones um at first you're probably going to be like me you're going to think that's kind of weird once you get used to it and you start to to use it you'll find it's a really elegant that really does, as Nate said, adds a lot to the game, and it's very unique and interesting, and you just kind of have to give it a chance.
0: No, I would definitely agree. It took me about, oh, probably a month to kind of get used to it and go, okay, I can do this, 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 and this, but then it's really cool because you can get some really neat combos. Oh, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, right, Nick? Let's see. Even Nicholas agrees. This is my son, by the way. And um, you can get some really cool combos going. So uh, I think it's a really cool system. And I also think it kind of, like Nate said, it really kind of allows Fantasy Flight to kind of balance the game a little bit easier. Right, buddy? Yeah. Yeah, and
1: one thing I like about it, and this is a silly little thing, is I find it really easy to build decks in my head because of the system, because all i got to do is think, you know, which five sets or whatever do I want to grab, and I grab those sets. So it's something I tend to do in my downtime or my busy time at work, Um where my job's very tends to be not mentally required at times, it's data entry at times. So it gives you something to do during your spare time. Like I said, you got to give it a chance. All right. So, is that anything else you want to cover with deck building there, Nate? Nope,
2: that's about it. There, there's quite a few resources to um, articles on Card Game DB and on Fantasy Flight uh, forums, and even articles there that, that go over. Um, more in-depth deck building. Um, So if there's new players out there that are wanting to get into Star Wars, you know, go check out those resources. There's a lot of really good information to help people from, you know, messing around with one core set box to building their first decks to, you know, going to their first tournament. There's a lot of information out there. So don't think that, you know, you're kind of out on an Island all by yourself. There's, Plenty of resources that people have out there for you guys to use to to get better at the game, to get better at deck building, or just to you know see what other people are doing.
1: Okay. So another thing we want to cover, and you know this is probably going to be fairly brief as well, is we just kind of want to cover something that within the game can trip people up in the beginning. There is some unique aspects to the game other than just the, uh, the deck building that could at times uh, you know trip people up and you know it's, it's stuff we see common questions about. Um, one of the ones I see come up a lot is uh, can you attack when your unit has no what's called blast damage there is we didn't cover this, but there's three combat icons in the game. There is uh, a blast pistol that looks like Han's Blaster, which is unit damage, so damages other units, of course. There is a explosion that is called Blast Damage, which damages opposing objectives. And then there is a, an icon that looks pretty much exactly like the focus tokens that come in the corset, set, um, which is uh, called Tactics and allows you to place focus on opposing units. So a question that comes up from time to time is, can your unit do blast damage to an objective if it has no blast damage or no icons at all? Um, The answer to that is yes, it can if the engagement is what's called unopposed, which means at the end, when the engagements come into an end, they come over at that objective, there is no one defending, then even old r 2 d who has no icons at all can do one blast damage. So hopefully that answers that question before you have to ask. Another uh, question that you'll see from time to time is, uh, and this is going to be a hard one to really answer, is there's a, a system within the game during combat of what's called edge battles. You'll see along the cards, if you're either looking at them online on CardGameDB or if you're looking at your, your cards right now, um, there's a series of icons on most cards in your command deck along the side. They're gray circles. Uh, and you'll see if anywhere from zero to four, five. Um, those are the uh, the icons that you're going to want to count during an edge battle, and those are what help you get the edge. Whoever wins an edge battle, which is where you place cards from your hand upside down until both players pass, and then you reveal. Whoever wins that battle by most of those icons wins the edge of the battle and gets to strike first. So basically, it represents maneuvering and you know get into position and I don't know, you know, Han Solo climbing up the wall to sniper somebody or something. Uh, so whoever wins the edge strikes first. That can be very important depending on what you're attacking with or defending with. Um, who attacks first? Because if you win the edge and you have, let's say, Admiral Akbar who has two uh tactics icons, you can then potentially exhaust the attackers or defenders before they can do damage to you. Because once a unit has one of those red focus tokens on it, they can't do anything else that battle. They are now exhausted, so they are unable to strike, which is where they use their combat icons during the battle. Now, a common thing that comes up is people are often are confused by how and what to play and when to play it during the edge battle. Uh thing that trips you up is what's called uh, the Fate cards. These are the mostly gray cards that have special effects that only take place during an edge battle. These cards are really only ever used during an ball, and they are the only cards whose actions and abilities have any relevance during an um it becomes hard for people to uh know which cards to play and when to play them and like i said it's a really hard thing to answer it's it's part of the bluffing of the games you know similar to like i don't know poker or even a, a game like android netrunner also by fog tends to have a lot of bluffing in it so it's it's a hard one to answer what cards to play and when to play them and how to play them. It's something you really just have to do and do a lot of edge battles and you will during a game and get comfortable with it and uh, try not to you know have what's called in poker any of your tells come through. Um, after, if you play the same people a lot as you know, most of us tend to do we be playing our friends and stuff after a while you can kind of know based on experience and whatnot, what they're playing and they can do the exact thing to you. Um, another question. This one doesn't come up as often as it used to. Is there is a card called Trench Run that lets you attack the the Death Star dial? Um, a lot of questions were raised about this one in the beginning of the game. Uh, there was quite the heated debate on the FFG boards. So it went for quite a few pages um, about whether or not various effects that affect objectives work on it. They do not because the Death Star dial is, of course, not an objective as it says on the card, Trench Run. So if it says it does damage to an objective, it's not going to because the, the Death Star dial is still the dial. It's just you can attack it to potentially blow up the Death Star, as Luke did at the end of A New Hope, and uh, win the game out right from there. Um, Nate, any other common early mistakes stuff you can think of or issues people have in the beginning?
2: Um, One of the things that that I noticed, uh, we actually had a tournament locally, and uh, people were asking the question of cards that reference that they can only be played once per turn. Um, Those refer to your turn and your opponent's turn. So there's two separate turns in a game. So a card that says that it can only be played once per turn means that it can be played once on your turn. And once on your opponent's subsequent turn, uh, I there's stuff like uh, force choke, um, attack pattern delta, and a couple other things that that have that limitation. And that issue came up just yesterday in a tournament, and you know that's something that you kind of need to realize that the back and forth uh, wording of how turn structures are set up. Um, other than that. Most of the things that I know that when I initially started playing the game I was doing wrong were just not having played the game enough. And then eventually I started to realize what I was doing wrong and actually was playing with other people. So just play a lot of games, make mistakes, and, you know, eventually you'll learn from them. Um, Talk to other people, you know, forums, Octagon, Octagon all kinds of different resources out there for people to either help you learn, to teach you, you know, use what's available.
1: Right. And another one that comes up a lot, I find is the difference between play and put into play. You will see cards that will allow you to break the normal rules of only being able to play cards during uh, the deployment phase. There'll be cards that you know say, you know, play this card as an attack or something like that, or put into play. There is a difference between play and put into play. Uh, This is defined in the rulebook, but it's often overlooked. Play means you do pay for the card, so you have to spend the resources. So, for instance, Admiral Akbar has an action during an engagement, play this unit from your hand and has a participant unit. So you have to pay his cost of three to play him. There are other cards that say put into play, a card that is put into play is free. Pay okay, no resources because you're simply taking it from your hand and putting it directly into play. So hopefully that covers some of the, uh, the common mistakes and helps people uh, get past those initial bumps in the road. Uh, one other thing to mention is uh, where to play. Um, this is going to obviously depend on where you live, of course. Uh, if you're lucky enough to live, Buy uh, a game store that is either large enough or diverse enough to be able to have a, a living card game group or it might already have one. It's a good thing to go down and check. Um, you know, if you bought your cards at a store, ask that store. There's people who also play there. Um sometimes you will find that stores in your area are uh, well, like stores in my area tend to be very focused on the Magic the Gathering and uh, they're, they're rather small. I don't live in a particularly large town. So they don't really support much outside of that. So you might have to play in other places. Um, card game groups can meet anywhere. There's quite often a card game group at various universities so if you live in a university town you might be able to find a group there Um, they can also meet at community centers and stuff like that so you know you're going to want to get online either on card game db forums or over on the ffg boards and you know or facebook facebook is a very good resource for people who are uh gaming and uh stuff like that because you know well facebook is very pervasive in the society and it's everywhere and we have a Facebook page, so you know if you're looking for other players, come to our Facebook page. Maybe we know somebody who lives near you. Um, other than that, I think that's pretty much where we want to go with the uh, the the newbies, as we're calling it. Uh, we're not saying that to be derogatory by any means. You know, we've all been noobs before. Uh, this game itself is still very in its month now of existence, so no one is by any means an expert. We've all played quite a bit extensively. Um, There is one other resource I forgot to mention with the where to play. There is the ability to play uh, well, pretty much all the LCDs, I believe, are supported by on a program called Octagon. Uh, If you're looking for it via Google or another search engine, it's capital O-C-T-G-N. All one word, Octagon. Um, it is a online game that lets you simulate the card game environment for the, the games you want, and you can play with other people online. Um, it's a very handy resource. It is 100% free. It is uh, built by fans. It is 100% not official also, um, but it, you can often get images so you can actually see the cards you're playing. It's a good resource if you're just doing some deck testing or you know, you've got... An hour or two free on Friday night, and you want to play some cards and nobody's around, jump on Octagon and you you might see one of us or anybody else and just say, Hey guys, I'm you know, if you're still new, just say, Hey guys, I'm new. Anybody care to teach me either how to play Octagon or Play Star Wars? And nine times out of ten, you will find someone who's more than willing to help you out. Like I said, we've all been new to either card gaming in general or this card game in particular, so you know, feel free to reach out. Uh, You can also reach out to any. Of the three of us, uh, we're quite easy to find online, either through Tableflips' Facebook page, uh, the Fantasy Flight forums, the Card Game DB forums. Uh, I'm Talktamish, to uh, T-O-Q-T-A-M-I-S-H, on every single board that exists, and Nate's Ketrecell, I think, on everything, aren't you Nate? Yep,
2: on everything that I know of.
1: Yeah, and Ketchersell's K-E-T-R-I-C-E-L. And Patrick, who has been mostly silent this episode, uh, is also here. And he goes by Basileel, which is B-A-Z-E-L-L-E-E-L. Almost messed that one up. Uh, Nate, anything else that you would like to add before we wrap this up? Uh, nope. I'm done. All right. Well, hopefully this has been helpful at all you guys out there like i said you know this is a very new player focused episode we're hoping that this was helpful for you uh we may depending on the feedback we got from this you know maybe do a a follow-up episode of this down the road as time allows uh we were fortunate that right now there's a bit of downtime uh in the the star wars cardium community with gen con everything being there but you know what welcome to the game we really hope you enjoy it it's a great game uh there are some unique aspects to it and you know what it's star wars
2: Shoutouts. I need to do shoutouts.
1: Okay. Nate, we like to do what we typically do during one of our normal episodes we call shoutouts. This is where we shout out to various members of the community or within our lives and you know, give them props for doing something. I'm pretty sure I know what Nate's is. So Nate, take it away.
2: So. I had a tournament at my local store yesterday, and I was really excited about it. And I promised everybody that came that I would give them a shout-out on our next episode, which was today. So I would like to give a shout-out to Matt B. Um, I'm not going to say anybody's last names in case you don't want the world or the 10 people that are listening to this right now still uh, to know who you are. Um, Matt B., also known as uh, Red5CCG on the forums, Uh, he actually ended up winning and got a really cool play, Matt. Uh, Really good guy. Had a great time with him. Um, Also, we had Jonathan B., Eric M., Mike F., Justin R., Gordon H., Art B., and Jeff W. all show up. We had people driving from as far as uh, Johnson City, Tennessee, which is about two hours away uh, from where I live. Uh, in Hickory, North Carolina. Um, I also want to give a shout out to the store. Um, it's called The Dugout and it's in Hickory, North Carolina. If you're ever in the area and you want to play some cards with somebody, PM me on the forums. Um, as long as I have at least 20 minutes notice, there's a strong possibility that I can meet up with any of our awesome listeners out there in listener land and play some cards. Um, and yeah, just, you know, want to give a huge shout out to everybody that showed up and played yesterday, you know, thank you guys for coming and making it a really fun, really awesome event. So that's all of my shout outs.
1: All right. Uh, I do have one real quick shout out. Uh, this we'll call this one a dedication. Uh, I recently was able to, uh, reach a friend of mine, uh, who was a major world of Warcraft player. And, uh, Managed to get him interested in playing Star Wars. He uh, printed the rulebook last night at work. Uh, and he's going to be reading up on that. And we're hoping to meet up sometime this week. So, you know, uh, like I said in a previous episode, guys, uh, for those of you who listened to any of our older episodes, you know, get out there, hit up the, the World of Warcraft communities that you know of, and, you know, you can potentially get some new players. So this is a shout-out to Ruben. Uh, we're going to be teaching him how to play sometime very soon, hopefully this week. And I know he's going to love it, and it'll be really great to have him. He's a very experienced card game player from the World of Warcraft, so it'll be really good to have him and his input and uh, his presence within the game. Patrick, if you're still there, would you like to do a shout-out?
2: Hi, guys. I'm Patrick. (laughs) I want to give a shout-out to my new son.
1: That was so lifelike.
2: It was. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, May the force be with you guys. Goodbye.